This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Venice, and I've got a message from a friend of mine about my favorite podcast. It's your boy, Flavor, Flav, and Full Effect. Check this out, everybody. I want y'all to go check out TJ. What's good, everybody? TJ Johnson here from West from the Underground. I am the most handsome. Big ass. And I'm smoking my cigar, of course. You know what I'm saying? The judge. You pick me up in an Uber and a PT Cruiser, I'm calling Lip. Because <laughs> <laughs> they be fighting the power, talking about social issues, politics, you know what I'm saying? And we're not even that good. Right, we're terrible. Terrible. Tantus all over the place. And not only that, but they be keeping the fun with the sports, music, comics, and movies, too. Am I allowed to I talk? Think, I think, no, not right now. Shut Did up, just... colonizer! <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He on Twitter at VFU Podcast. So you can find them, you can find them. So check one, two. This is Flavor Flav. Yeah, boy! Okay. What Flav was trying to say is, check out Voice from the Underground on your favorite podcast network. Voice from the Underground. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. That was weird in my ears. I don't know about y'all's. It is another episode of Wookie Radio. It is Smugglers 3, Ken, Derek, myself, Mike. Yes, that was a sound of a brain fart happening. So I'm trying to figure out who's on what. Why that happened right as an introing show, I don't know. It's not who's on what, it's who's on first. What's on second? What's on second? I don't know. Third base. Anyway, like I said, it is the Smuggler, your Smugglers 3 Derek, Ken, and myself, Mike. How are you guys doing? It's been a rough 30 hours for me. Well, that sucks. Actually, I've been doing pretty good. Now I'm back on regular shifts, and I'm doing much better. My anxiety and my patience is, well, my anxiety is up, and my patience is gone because of this stupid storm called Dorian, which, oh, by the way, Derek, it's heading your way. Said it wanted lobster. Yeah, it ain't gonna be much by the time it gets up here. <laughs> <laughs> it ended up not being much when it got here either. Mm-hmm. And for me, hey, if it gets to me and it's still a hurricane, we're all in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Very true. Um, 
So, yeah, that's our week. Uh, this week we're going to be talking some Mandalorian, some video game news, and some uh, Sith Trooper, Sith logo type stuff all coming for Triple Force Friday. But before all that, check out the homepage, WeBeGeeks.net. <laughs> Wrong homepage. WookieRadio.net. It's been one of those weeks. The Dark Will Test. <laughs> the only one who's had a normal week is Ken. <laughs> For once, yeah. It's been a while since I had it normal, though. Um, check out our affiliates on the right side of the page. Also, too, check out our partners, Heroes and Villains, and Found Me. Clicking on their images will take you to their site. Use the code word SMUGGLERS for 15% off your first purchase. Um, I know Ken and I were talking before a show that we're thinking about using that code to get some stuff for ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. Because after all this rain, I know, I, don't get me wrong, I love my commando backpack. And that is going to turn into my park backpack when I go on parks or I go on vacation. But for work, I need something that's going to hold up to the weather. And I'm seriously looking at that TIE fighter backpack. Yeah. I was looking seriously at it, looking like, at it. Well, the one I was looking at last week that was awesome is that Jedi collection. I, th I really want that uh, ball cap. I want the lanyard. From it. I don't wear lanyards much. If I go to conventions or something, I have a lanyard that I take. A, I have a couple different lanyards to choose from for my badges. But other than that, I, I, I'm more teach the stuff I got. I I have I'm, I want to have a variety of lanyards depending on my mood. Mm -hmm. But seeing that Jedi one with the Arabish, I really love it. Yeah. To me, that's and then they just introduced socks. See, I've never been big on this myself, but that's just me. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm not either. But these socks looks kind of cool. The Boba Fett socks yeah. and the Rebel Pilot socks look great. Um, so check them out. The Bluetooth trackers, I still use mine religiously. I love it. Um, Ooh. Also, I'm not. I'm in a rabbit hole. I st I went through Heroes Villains. The Ralph McQuarrie T-shirt collection is beautiful. Yes, yeah. they are. We were talking about that before uh, a couple Was weeks it? ago. Okay. Yeah. I just, like I said, I fell down a rabbit hole. That was Derek. That was you and I two weeks ago on we, uh, Weeby Geeks. Uh, mm. um, also, too, check out our our web store. Uh, get some great T-shirts, hats, sweatshirts. It is starting to get cooler out there. We got hoodies and zip-up hoodies. Pullover and zip-up hoodies for you. So you can support your favorite show. If you only listen to Wookiee Radio, hey, get your Wookiee Radio shirt. Uh, several hats. Knit hats are in stock as well uh also to go to the wookie radio facebook page we are running the contest it is up where you too can win three comic books signed by joe carmania or so. uh, along with that have um a wookie radio hat a purple purple kyber crystal straight from Walt Disney World's Galaxy's Edge, a Halo Fractures novel signed by authors John Jackson Miller and Christy Golden, uh, which was donated by Roco Depot. Um, 15 Star Wars Destiny cards donated by Rebel I, I Rebel I Rebel uh, podcast. Uh, Smuggler's Guide and Princess Leia bust um, donated by Chronicle Books that will be drop shipped to you straight from Chronicle Books. And just found out today, two more novels signed by John Jackson Miller himself, two of his novels well, that he has donated to the cause. Cool. So uh, check those out. Yeah. Do, do you guys got to get in on this? Because this is a huge prize package. 
this is a great prize package for y'all to be a part of. Um, so we will keep pushing. We, we will start pushing the uh, for sure the the entry or the um, the giveaway now. So take a look on Twitter on Facebook. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a great deal. It really is. And then how do you get into the contest again, Mike? I know it's on uh, social media, but again, uh, the contest uh, will be on the Wookie Radio Facebook page. Uh, it's like a raffle style, so you have to uh, like follow certain things, tweet about the giveaway, etc., um, to get your your entries. And then uh, there's bonus entries as well to boost your chances. Okay. So, but I'm giving you quite a bit right off the get go. So, I mean, it's not like, oh, you get one or two entries and then you have to do all the bonus. No, I want you to have a fair chance. So I'm giving you quite a bit to do. So, mm-hmm. um, and for those who, oh, that's, you're asking too much. Um, no, look at what we're giving away. I'm not asking you for a lot. I don't think, uh, there's some great stuff here. Unless you read the fine print where you ask for their firstborn son. No, no, no. But I, I will say I'm sorry. It is restricted to U.S. residents only. Yeah. yeah. So I apologize about that. But um, let's get right into it. The Mandalorian apparently is going to explore the origins of the First Order. Mm. Uh, while the narrative isn't directly about the Empire, the Rebellion, the Resistance, or the First Order, it will give some insight into the changing the guard throughout the galaxy. That's cool. I. F- I figured it probably would. Yeah. At least the beginnings of it. Um, according to Filoni, because this doesn't turn into a good guy universe because you blew up two Death Stars. You get that the Rebels won, and they're, re- and they're trying to establish a republic, but there's no way that that could have set in for everybody all at once. You have in a Western where you're out on the frontier, and there may be Washington, and they might have some marshals, but sometimes good luck finding one. Uh, Favreau added, also, what could happen in the 30 years between celebrating the defeat of the Empire and then the First Order? Well, you come in on Episode 7, the First first Order are not just starting out, they're pretty far along. So a lot of that makes a lot of sense that they would be starting back that 30 or 25 years ago or so, because if you look at um, what Filoni was saying, because but if you look at the um, novels and stuff we've gotten, you can see the seeds of the first order are out there and they're moving around, even though they're not a no one really knows what they are or who they are. And they don't even really have a name yet. But you see, even back in the aftermath novels, the seeds of where they started. Right. And because we see that the Empire doesn't all disappear all at once because it's still a presence in most of the, like I said, most of the um, novels and comic books and stuff that happened between episodes six and seven, you see that the Empire still is a presence of some sort. Everybody still knows who the Empire was, whether or not they're in charge of where you're at in the galaxy is up to where you're at. But they're still there. Right. Uh, I agree. I mean, and who's to say there's not another faction on both sides before we get to the resistance in first order. Yeah. Or you get the factions in the middle, which I think the Mandalorian is going to really explore in things like the huts, the other syndicates, right? The criminal element, all the gray area for star Wars. It's the gray area. Right. Now that the empire is not around, it leaves everything wide open for all of them. Oh yeah. I mean, even back in the day with the expanded universe, 
look at the fight for who's going to control the galaxy then. Mm-hmm. So exactly, and you had stuff like well, even um, even when the Empire is at full strength, the Huts have a whole section of space that doesn't have the Empire at all. They're not part of the Empire. If you look at the galactic maps and stuff they've done, the the Hut the Huts and the other syndicates and the outer rim reaches are barely in the Empire at all. Even though the everybody remembers the the Emperor having an iron fist and nothing got it out from it, well, he didn't have the entire galaxy. Right. But, I mean, it's curious to see because, what is it, um, Star Wars Resistance takes place, what, within a year before? In a I think season about six months before The Force Awakens. So so we know it's been around a little even before that. Mm-hmm. So just when did the First Order start? I'm not sure. I mean, is, is there anything on Wikipedia saying when it started? Uh, let me look it up. I know if you go to the Bloodlines novel, which I think is, like, 10 years or so roughly before the force awakens. And you could see, um, they find an organization that you could see is the first order, but they don't have a name. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wikipedia. I know. And I don't think it's like a fully formed organization yet. So, yeah. And it, it was all basically, um, Imperial Revenant guys. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and it, and it makes you wonder too, how much of the first order was started by former Imperials? Oh, all of it. Started, yeah, I would say started by, uh, yeah. Okay, let's see. According to Wikipedia, if my computer will load, there it goes. Uh, First Order, also known as the, just as the Order. Uh, head of state is the Supreme Leader. Commander in Chief is High Command. See, this is how we're re- redoing our, not redoing, renewing our knowledge of what's going on. Ah, uh, officially. <laughs> Date established sometime between five years after the Battle of Yavin and twenty-one years after the Battle of Yavin. Ah. So five, it's only a year, a year or two after Return of the Jedi. So it's quite range. Yes, that's because it hasn't officially been established yet. <laughs> mm. it, the books have, like I said, all the books that I've I've read most of the stuff in between the six and seven. Nothing puts a hard line on any of this stuff because you can tell they're waiting to tell that story. Mm. So, well, you can skirt around the edges, give little hints of things happening, but you're not allowed to say any actual details. Right. I mean, you see it in uh, Battlefront 2. You see it in, like I said, Bloodlines, the Afterbath series. Probably in the comic. I've not read much of the comic books, but I know the comics cover it. Yeah. In little bits and pieces. Yeah. I'm not caught up on the Age of Resistance one shots, so I don't know how much of the creation is in that, in any of that stuff. Yeah. I... Speaking of that real quick, just because it popped in my head when I was flipping through headlines, it looks like coming up in Age of Resistance, Kylo Ren's actually going to be going to Dagobah at some point. Ooh. Probably in the Kylo Ren book. Well, it said it was in Age of Resistance, so I don't know. Does he have his own book in the Age of Resistance? Yes. Or? Yes, yeah. yes. Coming out this month. Uh, I think it's already out. It might be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let me. I think this week, actually, I think. And double check. I have it right here. I think it did come out this week. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it came out this week. See, I'm not seeing it on the on the booklet. Actually, it came out today. 
Supposedly, oh, no, no nope. it, had, it had to come out before that. No, it comes out on the 25th at the end of the month. You are correct. Today was the Rose one. Today is Rose, yeah. Which I'm loving this whole line that they're doing with all these one-shots. I mean, they're great stories. Yeah, I'm not crazy about one-shots, though. I'm not either, but with each, with these being considered a series, but they're a one-shot within the series, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the old uh, Star Wars Jedi, like when you had Yoda and Mace and Shakti and Dooku. Each one had their own book with their own stories, but it made this whole series. I like that. I, I kind of like that appeal with this, too. Yeah. So if they wanted to go back and tell another tale of all these different characters, then they could add a second book for each character type deal. But anyway, uh, getting back to the Mandalorian, um, it, it seems like the Mandalorian's going to be a lot more grounded and, and a more of a small scale venture than the features, but we'll still yeah. cover a vast range of political unrest within the greater franchise. Uh, so it's still Star Wars through and through. But it's mm-hmm. going to be that true Western that we kind of got with Star Wars that it kind of strayed from afterwards. Um, and I, I think having having something that is more of that Star Wars version of Gunsmoke or Rifleman or Bonanza or whatever, this is Big Valley. This is going to be great. Yeah. I think actually um, we did get that with Solo. So if we had a feel yes. similar to what we have with Solo, I think it'll be really, really good. Yeah. Even though a lot of people didn't, I, I say it's not that people didn't like Solo, just people didn't go see it. Solo gave me the vibe of the, of, uh, the old uh, Great Train Robbery Western. Mm-hmm. Witch and Sundance and all those. Yeah, yeah. When it was originally, oh, it's Solo and Beckett. No, it's now Solo and Lando. No, it's Solo and Chewie. The way it's been <laughs> ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, but to try out partners. Go ahead. You got to try out partners first to find out who works. True. Um now, Pedro Pascal reveals that his character is a little different from Boba Fett. I would hope so. Um, you know, most people, when they say Mandalorian, everyone thinks Boba Fett. They think uh, Jango Fett. They may think Bo-Katan or Pre's Vesna from, from Clone Wars. Um, maybe Sabine a little bit and her family that we see in Rebels. Um, but no, uh, he, he plays a similar style bounty hunter as Boba Fett, but his missions come with more admiral intentions. Uh, according to Pascal, he ultimately wants to do the right thing, but his duties could very much be in conflict with his destiny, and doing the right thing has many faces. It could be a very windy road. But in many ways, I almost see the same thing with, with Boba Fett, except when it comes down to Jedi. He has no tolerance for Jedi. Yeah. Which... Well, I wonder why. And that's one thing that the prequels did show you. Why does he have a problem with Jedi? Huh. I don't know. Maybe because dad lost one? I I can't wrap (laughs) my head around it. I know. You know, know, some people just need to get over it, you know? (laughs) Well, the funny thing is, if the prequels were made today by the current people making um, Star Wars, I wonder if when um, Boba picks up the helmet, if the head would have fallen out of it. True. Depends on how dark they wanted it to go. (laughs) Right. Now, this is from comicbook.com, where we're pulling this source from. And they say, sources first meet Boba Fett in Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. No. Would someone like to correct that? 
Most most audiences might have seen him for the first time in Empire. Well, also, you have to remember that certain people would like to forget that we met him somewhere else because they would like to forget that particular place where we met him originally. Which was Mr. Ken. The holiday special, of course. But there's even some debate that which came first, the holiday special or the parade with him in full costume. Yeah, the original but see, color costume, which was no only internet. true. So if you didn't see that parade, you had no idea what you're talking about. True. <laughs> and that was limited to a local, I think, a local parade somewhere in California anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, the first wide for people to be able to see him was the holiday special. That was the introduction to the character officially. Correct. Um, now, it, you know, of course, he had very little screen time before his quote-unquote death in Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Uh, and then we all learn more about the character in various books and comics that are now part of Legends, which is cool because we're discovering the Legends material is almost being used as myth until actually brought into canon. Yeah. Which is cool. They're not they're not disowning it, but they're saying, yeah, yeah, that, that's a myth. That's a story. Um, and, and there's nothing to say the stuff's not going to make it to canon because they've already said they're planning on it and turning some of the, the best stuff back into canon. <laughs> it's it's going to take time and they got to come up with the right vehicle to do it with. Mm hmm. They gotta figure out where they want to put it in the time because all of it is gonna move around. Exactly. I mean, look yeah. at look at Thrawn. Thrawn really didn't make his appearance until after Return of the Jedi in the original yeah. EU. Now he's in before Rebels, which is great. So so he was extremely active in the in the original trilogy in the background somewhere. Something that we could potentially see him make an appearance depending on the the uh, recovery efforts of Ahsoka and Sabine after the Battle of Endor. Yeah, he's still out there. Remember, he and Ezra were both um, got uh, the hyperspace wells. Same ship. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing. I wonder where they're going to um, resolve that. I, I don't know. I am mentioning it in The Mandalorian because it's a Dave Filoni thing, and he likes to put um, other of his characters in things, like I said last week. Like but possibly, I don't yeah. know how much of it they're actually going to put in The Mandalorian. I could see what someone showing up. I don't mm. know. I, my bets would probably be more on Sabine, yeah. even though she's supposed to be out with Ahsoka looking for Ezra. Does it, um, does it mean that she's not stopping off here while Ahsoka's still on the ship uh, just to get some information? Exactly. Well, what was that, Derek? I said, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and you got to think this is this show. I can guarantee is going to be mostly outer rim fringe territories. Yep. Yeah. Like I was saying earlier, where the empire had very little impact. I mean, they're still out there, but it's not. You don't see. You rarely see them. Right. And uh, so that's where they would be looking for Ezra and Thrawn. How cool would it be if the Mandalorian goes to Lothal or Lothal, since that is an outer rim territory? Yeah, that could be cool. Certainly, it could happen. Now, um, according to Filoni, the series is set to explore more the culture as seen in the animated series. Because remember, we got a lot about the culture in Rebels, especially season four. Um, and confirming that not all, thanks to Sabine, not all characters were nefarious as Boba Fett 
and Jango. Yeah, well, we saw that in the Clone Wars with uh, Duchess Satine. She's Mandalorian. Yeah, right. And and remember the Clone Wars. Most of the man, like the majority of Mandalorian citizens, were not fighters, and they were just regular people. The right. Death Watch was a um, old warrior faction that is pretty much all all but gone at that point. Right. Well, remember, according to Filoni, Boba Fett's a clone, mm-hmm. not a Mandalorian, because he was not ba- born on Mandalore. Exactly. He's more of a person indoctrinated into it, into the way of life, and he gets a hold of the armor, but he's not Mandalorian. Right. Um, whereas Favreau added, our guy is a Mandalorian, and we definitely explored the culture of the Mandalorian. Um, he continues, our guy is operating in much more unforgiving landscape, a place where survival is difficult, let alone flourish in the atmosphere and the politics that have dissolved. It's might is right. And how does somebody earn a living when there's no structure to society anymore and everything is in a, is collapsing on itself? How do you think, how do you work your way through that world? So in many ways, this is almost like, Walking Dead, but without the dead people. <laughs> yeah. So that's where we have that. But to continue on, we have uh, Giancarlo Esposito talking about his role as Moff Gideon. Uh, IGN happened to speak with him at D23, and uh, his character is described as a soldier of the fallen empire who has achieved a position of power in the aftermath of the Battle of Endor. Uh, Esposito describes Gideon as um, an imperial remnant who does who doesn't seem to think highly of the bounty hunting community, seeing them as a source of unwanted competition. Because um, the Empire has basically fallen, so the relationship with bounty hunters is a little tenuous. I think they want to extinguish them because they create disorder. Um, the bounty hunter system means that there's means that there's money not coming to them. They want to tax that little bit, so it'll be interesting to see what happens out of that relationship. We all need order in our world, and this is an empire that has fallen. It has no order. Um, yeah, every empire imperials are trying to grab to pull as much power as they can to themselves to stay on top. Right. Uh, now he kept quiet about his character's alignment, uh, going with the general argument that whether or not he could be seen as good or evil depended on the perspective of the person interacting with him and the audience watching. Uh, but he also noted. Uh, with this quote, it's a new galaxy for me. It's like totally fresh and exciting. And when I think about it, I feel like it's going to live on forever. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And then finally, we see uh, the Mandalorian will fight multiple Transdotians, not named Osk. Oh, I saw that picture. It was cool. And I, I'll tell you, looking at that picture, that does not look like actual humans. That looks like Star Wars Black Series. Looks like yeah. Black Series figures. And the Trandoshans look a little weird for some reason. I mean, we've only seen one Trandoshan uh, in live action ever before, I think. But Yeah, there were, that was Bosk. I thought there was a second one, but I thought they were all green or, or no. greenish yellow. These Not look, all of them. But these look nothing like, like Bosk. They come in different colors. Well, yeah. apparently, apparently come yeah. in different face shapes, too. Yeah. Because these don't look like Trandoshans. We'll see when this comes, but... Um... Well, we, like we I said, saw um, in the Clone Wars series when the, the episode that I believe that had Chewbacca in it had the Trandoshans and they were um, going to the planet to for hunting. Yep. 
and they wanted other people there to help train in hunting. And there were multiple colors and um, looks for those. Yeah, but the, I, I thought they still all had basic lizard-like features. These, these are, to me, don't look lizard-like. You know what this one actually reminds me of? The face, the face features and stuff. It, it, I'm going to our enemy mind feel off of it. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. See it? I, I was going to say, to me, it almost looks similar to uh, a non-facial hair Klingon. Possibly. From the newer well, newer runs. Yeah, from the from Discovery, maybe. So, um, now we already know the series will include an IG unit, and it's IG-11. So why not add Tradotians that are not Bosque? See a pattern here? It's not Boba Fett, it's the Mandalorian. It's not IG-88, it's IG-11. It's not Bosk, but it's some other lizard folk. It's a smart way to reel fans in to a new story with new characters while maintaining a sense of uh, fam- familiarity. So what's next? Instead of four long, it's going to be five five LED. Well, I do know um, the beast that the Ugna was riding on that we saw in the trailer, that's not a dewback. I forget what they called it, but it's a, so that's another one that's not what you think it is. Right. But we're gonna get um, uh, Jawas in like blue robes from another planet. <laughs> Everything is just just a touch off from what we actually know it to be. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Now speaking about touch off, um, Star Wars Battlefront Two. They're everyone's saying it's one of the hottest messes of this generation. <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad. It's uh, it's settled in and it's still going strong. They're still adding content. Yeah. So how much hot mess could that be? Now they started in the hot mess, but I think they've pulled it out. <laughs> there was a lot of negativity, a lot of backlash over its loot boxes and the game itself. But um, you now the industry and many gamers have moved beyond it, and EA is still supporting the game and it's progressed, been making a comeback and and actually gaining a very large player base. Um, so this type of support is rare for EA, and it's safe to say that not many saw the game recovering from its initial ro- woes. Whoa. Uh, so all this questions, what's next? Will there be a Star Wars Battlefront 3? Um, sounds like not for a while. And a lot of that's because, uh, according to Dennis Brunval, who's the design director, the hunger isn't there for it like there used to be. Because I think everyone's pretty much settled into this. Yeah, we're having a great time with it the way it is. <laughs> I mean, if you stopped creating content for it and focused that towards a three, then maybe the, there'd be a clamor for three. But you keep adding it to this, so... Don't give them that idea. Hmm. I'm happy getting more stuff. But that's what they're doing. They're, they're, getting, they're yeah. giving us more stuff. So, um, according to him, still, uh, we're so used to the chain of sequels where we do a sequel and then we have a season, then we do a season pass for every year, then move on to the next game. I think the industry has changed on that. Before it was very transitional and we made the game, we signed up for four DLCs and then that's it. So when then you focus on getting value to players out there for what they, out of what they paid for. And if there was a system that wasn't working, then you put a pin in that and say, we'll fix it in the sequel. Well, they're not doing that. They're fixing it now and giving more content now. So, um, and according to Branval, Dice and EA aren't doing things like that anymore. And this is what made, has made Star Wars Battlefront 2 a much better game. Because rather than roll player feedback into a sequel, they're pumping it right back into Battlefront 2. Yeah, just what we were just saying. Yep. So, if perhaps we won't see Battlefront 3 until we get the next generation of consoles. Maybe. 
But you know, would give them have the new game. Tell you what, I would love to see for Battlefront Three if they do a campaign or if they do anything, keep it all Clone Wars era. Make everything all Clone Wars. Well, if you go with the um, in the actual multiplayer games right now, the what is it? Galactic Supremacy is all Clone Wars already, right? Which I would like to see them ex- expand that out, but yeah, I could see that as a like a DLC, but not like a whole game in itself. Okay. Well, Lego has announced a new game as well. I think we talked about this before, but there's a little bit more information. Um, Lego Star Wars Battles was revealed by, I guess, where do where did we talk about this before? Or was there a different game we were talking about? It had been another one. I don't remember this one being talked about. Okay. I think we were talking about the Skywalker uh, Saga one. Yes. Okay. So this is new. It's a Lego Star Wars Battles. It was revealed by Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment on Tuesday. Um, it would be Tuesday the 3rd. Um, September 3rd, to be exact. Um, with the promise of bringing together characters and other features from across every era of Star Wars. It's scheduled for a release on mobile devices on 2020. Okay. And will feature player versus player battles. Hmm. Uh, it will mix together tower defense gameplay with classic Star Wars features like mastering the powers of the Force and using different units, ranging from vehicles to characters to weapons. It will feature content from all nine films, saga films, and other productions like Clone Wars, Rogue One, um... Luke, Darth Vader, and Rey and Boba Fett were just a few of the characters confirmed to be a part of the game, and along with the most iconic of ships, the Millennium Falcon. Players have to collect these different characters to later use them in battles that will take place in memorable Star Wars locations. Uh, So a quote from the announcement, lead an army of LEGO Star Wars characters into real-time multiplayer PvP battles in arenas inspired by iconic locations throughout the galaxy. Collect and upgrade LEGO Star Wars characters, troops, and vehicles, and craft formidable light and dark side armies. Build Lego towers on the battlefield to strategically attack, defend, and capture territory as you push towards the enemy base to claim victory. A website is already up for this. Hmm. And the website is on StarWars.com. It will be available on Android and iPhone coming in 2020. Uh, This looks pretty cool, seeing some of the pictures. It's an interesting idea. Yeah. It's almost like they took... uh, what was the Star Wars card game where you, you, you earned cards, but then they became actual characters on a battlefield? Uh, that one. Was that Force deck? Maybe. I don't remember. I don't remember either. And that was a fun game, too. I, I, I had enjoyed that game. Try and see if it's in the list of games on their uh, website. It is not. This one should be fun, though, because just in general, Lego games are always, if nothing else, they're fun. Right. Yeah. Um, now, it, the site on StarWars.com shares more info on how it will work as players collect and upgrade their favorite parts. Uh, over 40 units across Star Wars history that will encompass all characters, vehicles, and supporting cast members. Uh, these units are then deployed on the battlefields as players also defend their defense towers while facing off against real opponents. So, I wish I knew the name of that game. Because I don't think mobile applications... I don't even think it's listed on my iTunes anymore. I don't think it was Force Deck. I'm not thinking it was either. Was it a mobile game? It was a mobile game. 
and I know that you listen. There are some of you listeners that are yelling at us. It's this. It's this. It's this. We believe you. Honest, we do. It's just our memory. Our memories are shot. Uh, the Force Collection. Maybe I never played it, so I don't know. I did because I ended up getting Doctor Afro to go with with uh, Darth Vader. Oh, so you've you've played it not that long ago. Not that long. Well, Force Arena. Oh my lord. Ah, uh, Force Arena. Star Star Wars Force Arena. Ah, okay. This almost this is almost like a Lego Force Arena feel to it, hmm. which I'm cool about. I, I think that's awesome. What else is awesome too is if you own a Nintendo Switch, guess what? I do. Guess what's coming? <laughs> Jedi Knight Two, Jedi Outcast, and Jedi Knight Jedi Academy. Nice. Um, so how can you how can you not be overjoyed for these games? Uh, two classic games are coming back to consoles from Lucasfilm. Uh, both of them coming to uh, Nintendo Switch first, and they will also be released on PlayStation 4. Cool. Very cool. So, and then we have some updates on the Sith Trooper. Um, the mysterious Sith Trooper is coming to our galaxy a little sooner than expected. In special release ahead of Triple Force Friday, Sith Trooper action figures, t-shirts, and other products will begin arriving on shelves now. As we're recording. All right. Uh, they say arriving on shelves September 4th. And, of course, their story is from today as we're recording on September 4th. Uh, from There's a lot of Amazon, a lot of stuff on Amazon with apparel. Uh, Beeline has their tiki mug available. Hmm. The Disney, Disney parks are going to have um, apparel and it looks like there's a really nice red sweatshirt with the First Order logo and some other stuff with a black hoodie. This actually looks like a pretty decent-looking sweatshirt. Mm. But I'm noticing something. What's that at the end? What's that symbol at the end of Sith Trooper on the sleeve of the, t- of the sweatshirt? That would be a new logo. That apparently is the new logo for the Sith. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, and it will denote their specialized rank or status. Uh, at first, it appeared, it, it looks like it actually appeared in the Who's Who in, in the Star Wars Who's Who in the Galaxy character storybook as part of an entry on Darth Vader. And that fueled a lot of rumor and speculation until today, where it's now confirmed that this is the new Sith symbol. And it's part of the canon that will be included in Rise of Skywalker. Okay. Uh, the three-pronged symbol could have several meaning. However, Star Wars sequel trilogy has been supposedly built on the idea of the Ones, a.k.a. the father, the son, and the daughter, uh, first introduced in the Clone Wars animated series, which you know kind of almost fits Vader, Luke, and Leia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except that Luke and Leia, was it, the way they had that set up in that one, was the father was the balance between the two, and um, the son was the Sith, and the daughter was the light, or the light and the dark. It wasn't technically right. Jedi and Sith, but they represented the light and the dark. 
Mm. But but with this, you've got Leia as the balance. Yeah. Luke is the light. Vader is the dark. You could go that way, yeah. So. Uh, I so, like that symbol, though. That's cool. Yeah. I kind of like it better than the old one. And now I don't remember what the old one looks like. I don't remember there being an old one for the Sith. I don't either. Yes. The old symbol for the Sith. Or Sith symbol. Is that it? Really? Five symbols of the Rebel, First Order, Galactic, Jedi Order. Okay, that's StarWars.com. So now they'll add that one. Um, Wikipedia has a list of symbols. So symbols. Sith. Help me out here. Got Not you guys. I'm talking about Wikipedia. Oh, how did I find that? Organization symbols. There we go. Um, all right. This is not helping. <laughs> Again, I don't remember there being a symbol before. Yeah, they had one. Okay, so that was the old one. So the old one... Oh, stop that. Here we go. This is the old one here. Okay. Where was that one ever used? I'm not sure. You sure that's a Sith symbol? That's the Sith symbol. Here's the other one. Here's the other one that they claim was the Sith. I've seen that one. I don't remember where it was ever used, but I've seen it. So this is one where it's a circle with like this tri points on either side, and then uh, there's another one where you got a total of twelve points in a circle around a red circle. It's the best way to describe it. That's what they were calling the Sith symbol. Be honest with you. I like the update. Uh, the trifecta represents the f- source of the force and its light and dark sides, uh, which is the meaning behind the new symbol. Uh, the struggle between light and dark would also be a theme that speaks back to Ben Solo and Kylo and his rivalry with Rey. Uh, and it's also begun to assume that the live action franchise is way of referencing the son and the daughter. So um, it doesn't help that the Sith insignia is often convoluted with those of the Galactic Empire and now the First Order, as Vader and Palpatine's status as Sith Lords was virtually non-existent in the Star Wars original trilogy. No doubt this new symbol will be more distinct and memorable uh, of a reinvention, reinvention of the insignia. Uh, and it's one that works in perfect coordination with the angelic wing that the Jedi symbol took, which similarly, very similarly invokes the three-pronged symbolism if the father, son, and daughter are of the father, son, and the daughter. Uh, however, whereas the Jedi symbol reaches up or towards the sky, have the sky and the heavens and the source of the force, the Sith symbol instead seems to take the source of its power and channels it downward, which which would give it a totally different approach. So that's the meaning of this new symbol that we're now seeing on the uh, on the hoodie. I think it just looks kind of cool. <laughs> I think it looks great. Yeah, the author of this um, article is getting way deep on that one. Yeah, but hey. I wonder how much they went into designing this and how much it was just, oh, that looks cool. But that's also, <laughs> but that's also a story group for you, too. Yeah. So uh, the Black Series action figure, which is now available for order, um, which was this Comic-Con exclusive. Was it Comic-Con? Yeah. It was. I believe. Yeah. So it's going to be a different packaging than what was at Comic-Con. And I don't think this one's going to have as many weapons as Comic-Cons did. Um, you, From Hot Topic, you got more apparel. Well, Hot Topic is always going to be jumping on top of this type of stuff. Yep. Uh, Hot Toys, you have some new, you have a, it looks like a new uh, Sith Trooper from them. Kota Bayuka. It's got to be this image that's throwing me off. Because they do great stuff. But to me, this image, the black is too too matte. 
The whole that, thing, Matt. Yeah, this looks like it looks like something out of a video game. It looks like a 3D rendering. It doesn't look like the actual picture of it. Yeah. And that very well could be. Well, if this is a 3D rendering, these are going to be some cool figures, knowing how yeah. they do it. I'm trying to bring up actual their website and see if it's actually if it's on there. So I am a major fan of Koto Bayuka. Oh, and, and this, this would be something yeah. cool to have. Uh, KotoUS.com, as if I know or anything. <laughs> it's interesting how much they're pushing the Sith Troopers now. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Makes thunder. There we go. Are hey, they, you can pre-order for $130. For the, it's a two-pack at that uh, price? Look. Yes. It's not bad for a two-pack. It's true. Pass. Um, Party City has youth costumes. Only youth? Rubies, which is where Party City gets their costumes from, um, has child and adult costumes and masks. Then you have Shop Disney with the Disney costume, which is going to be a lot better than the, the youth costume because theirs comes with gloves. And you could get the toy blaster to go with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have Zazzle, which is going to have different apparel, accessories, and more. Uh, and then, of course, October 4th, one month away from the day we're recording, will be Triple Force Friday, in which we're going to get all the new stuff that's coming out for Rise of Skywalker. That's yeah. going to be spoiler free. Hmm. So okay, I did get. There's a if you go to Kotobukiya's website, they do have a lot more. I think um, the black on this is a little more gray, but it, it looks better in these pictures. But also, it's weird because the red has more of a matte finish than normal. It's like we're used to stormtroopers, everything being really, really, really glossy. These it seems like there's a lot more of a, like a matte finish to them. Hmm. See, this picture looks a lot better than what they showed on the site on StarWars.com. Yeah, I'm just. I mean, it looks this. This looks a lot better. It really does. Yeah. So, and for a two pack of Kotobukiya figures at what's the size on these ones? Doesn't even say. But a two pack of their um, artifacts figures for thir- one thirty is actually a really good price for them. They're probably between six and eight inches. Yeah, because of who it's from, it actually is a really good price. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah, I'm looking back at the picture they had in the in the article here. That's got to be like a 3D rendering of it or something. It's, it's, it has to be. It just has to be. So um, before we hit last story of the night, or which is the release schedule for books, um, how about lightsabers? How did they rank? Let's go from the bottom to the top, shall we? Okay. There are 26 sabers listed in this. And at number 26, Darth Sidious. And I'm not going to give the explanation they give because it's not uh, family friendly. (laughs) Uh, Number 25, Mace Windu from Attack of the Clones. See, that's kind of a cool look to it, though. I like that one. I do. Um, According to io9, they think uh, this was a poor choice. That It's too bright and gaudy. Um, it's like, uh, hello, Sam Jackson. Yeah. Purple blade doesn't seem to make sense for the character. Uh, well, no, he did it. So, um, he could find himself in lightsaber battles. That's why he did it. If not, Mace would have had a different color saber. Samuel Jackson wanted purple so he could find himself. Yeah. Uh, what was that? And he just really liked purple. Yep. Number 24, Kanan Jarrus in Star Wars Rebels. See, his was cool because it actually was in multiple pieces. Right. But everyone's talking right around the emitter area. Is that a satellite dish? (laughs) 
I'm not, me personally, I'm not keen on something that wide up around the blade, but it almost gives it a traditional saber feel with the wide guard on it. Yeah. yeah. Well, if I remember right, let me look up at it. It's all the way up at the top. Wasn't um, Luke's green lightsaber similar to that? It had a... Not as look. not as wide. But it had a, a similar feel to it. Right. Now, my daughter would disagree with this one because uh, it's one of her favorites. Ezra Bridger, his first saber. I liked his. With that had the, the stun blaster? Yeah. I loved I, it. It was a cool idea. I don't know. I like the idea of it, but as a lightsaber, I don't know. The execution, yeah. I can see that, yeah. It's a little it'd, funky looking. It'd be funky looking. It'd be a little bit, um, seems like unwieldy and stuff. Like, if you had to switch hands or something, you get if you get it messed up with the guard there. and mm. I'll, I'll tell you, my daughter handles it pretty good. The one she yeah. has. It it's, depends on who you are. Uh, number 22, Yoda. Well, I mean... It looks like basically they took the um, Skywalker traditional Vader Han Ray lightsaber and just shrunk it down. Yeah. It's a little baby Vader saber. But we're talking Yoda, look at he. You put a regular hilt on him. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna drag behind him like the key from the Liberty Mutual commercial when the guy's giving the key to the city. That'd be Yoda with the lightsaber, normal lightsaber hilt. Well, I'm not saying about the size of it. I was thinking just the look. To give it a little bit different look. It's and even in the article here they point out that um, it looks just like if they took Anakin Ray Luke's lightsaber and just shrunk it in half. Yeah, a little bit. But I like the emitter shield at the top though. Yeah. Well, it, the other one has that also. Yeah, but they're a little different. But we'll continue on. Mm-hmm. Terra Snoobs Snoobies lightsaber cane. Mm. Which we see her in Clone Wars. Yes. That wasn't too bad. No, I mean, for the character especially, it's it it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Number twenty, Ahsoka Tano from the Clone Wars. See, I loved how I loved how hers was a standard one was short, in the true Japanese styling. Yeah. yeah. Well, the problem is they're both very, very plain. They are, yes. Yeah, but they're her first sabers. And actually, to me, they're not that plain because I like that slit down the side. Yeah. I thought that was a very cool look. But again, this is Gizmo, you know, IO9 Gizmodo, their feel to it. Uh, number mm-hmm. 19, Anakin, Luke, and Ray's saber. See, I'd put that a lot higher, but that's just because this is one of my favorite lightsabers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number 18, young Obi-Wan in the prequels and Clone Wars. That's mm. not too bad. Mm. Number 17, the lightsaber pike held by the Jedi Temple Guards. I kind of like the pikes a little bit. But yeah, I like it. I could see it being difficult to deal with, though. But Right. Uh... Number 16, Pong Krells in Clone Wars. I, he wielded the two double-bladed lightsabers that uh, oh, that's man. almost where people are getting the idea that this is where a race new lights, where that saber of rays may come from. That's what I just looked at, too. I forgot that this one even existed. Yeah, I did, too. So, uh, number 15, Darth Maul and Rebels. And I didn't like the pommel on that one. Yeah. Everything else I loved on it. Uh, it looks like, well, it's probably exactly what it is. It, it was kind of patched together by what was left of his old one and anything else he could find. Right. Yeah. Um, 
Also looks like it's carved from the spinning lightsaber hilt of the Inquisitors. That's the other one I was going to bring up. Uh, number 15, Kylo Ren in Force Awakens. I didn't like that one at first, but I think it's kind of grown on me. Yeah. Yeah, it works for him, but yeah, else, I, no. I mean, I like the idea of a broadsword lightsaber, but... Right. Although I, I did like him finally using the cross guard to actually stab somebody with. Uh, yeah. Then he drive it into Finn's shoulder at one point? Yeah. That's what Derek's talking about, isn't it? No, I'm talking about when he actually ran into the guy and hit and th- stabbed him and threw him down. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, number 13 is Ahsoka Tano in Star Wars Rebels. See, I thought these were a better saber. Yeah. And if you yeah. look at them, they're not round either, which makes them even cooler. Yeah. It's more Japanese styling with the with their little bit flatter, but they also got the curve to them similar to what um, uh, Tyrannus um, Dooku, Dooku has. Yeah. Uh, number 12, Jocasta News lightsaber rifle, which we see this in uh, the Darth Vader comic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was a um, rifle that was more actually more of an accessory. You load a lightsaber into its frame and then turn the kyber crystal, kyber crystal energy into a powerful blaster bolts. It only took a couple couple rounds before the lightsaber was melted into slag. Yeah. Uh, number 11, the dark saber. Yeah, it's a cool one. Yep. Yeah, that one for me would be in the top five. Uh, number 10, The Cursed Sabers of Darth Truus. Uh, this came from Star Wars Annual Number 4. And it's, yeah, similar, it was saber. and it's similar in design to the crossguard lightsaber built by Kylo. Yeah. And it's based on lightsaber designs from the Old Republic. Um, number 9, from the Clone Wars, Asajj Ventress. Yeah, I liked her. She had a cool one. Uh, number 8, Obi-Wan Kenobi from Star Wars. A oh, classic. Mm-hmm. Number seven, Darth Vader in Star Wars, which I have, uh, a, master, I have a master replica one of this. Yeah, I kind of like this one because it's almost the same as his old one, but just the black accents on it just really make it cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, I think, is my number one favorite. See, I would do this saber with a different color blade as well, just for me, because I do like the look of the saber. Uh, number six, the Grand Inquisitor from Star Wars Rebels. I wouldn't have been high up, but... Yeah, I wouldn't either. Number it was an interesting pick. Yeah. Number five, and I don't understand... Looking at this, I don't understand how the blade doesn't interfere with the uh, emitter shield. But Dooku's yeah. in Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. I do like the look of it, though. Yeah. Uh, what's with the red trigger down at the bottom? Is that, I mean, is that what, how you turn it on on this one? I believe so. Yes, yeah. It's almost like a gun trigger. Mm-hmm. Well, he could trigger it with his pinky if he needed to. He didn't have to worry yeah. about it. Um, number four, which I love this one as well. It's very simple and very elegant looking. Qui-Gon Jinn's from episode one. I don't like it much. It's a little too simple for my taste. I'm with Derek on that one. Uh, number three, Darth Vader's first lightsaber. I don't like this one. Yeah. Uh, it looks like, well, the, for me, looking at that, that doesn't look like um, a saber Vader would make. No. Especially if you wear his original blue one was and where he ends up with, with his red one. They're almost, they're very similar lightsaber. This one is like a total different take on what he would go. So it doesn't mm-hmm. like what he would do. Uh, this is one where he has taken the Kyber crystal out of this particular saber from a from a Carrick and Phila. Yeah. And after he kills kills them, kills him, um, he makes the saber he makes the crystal bleed so he could turn it into uh 
Sith crystal. Yes, but that's not actually Vader's saber. It's, it's yeah. his first saber, and it's where he learns to... to right, but he didn't make the saber, right. that saber. Right. Uh, number two, Luke's saber in Return of the Jedi. Another classic. I have that saber as a TV remote. <laughs> that one's cool, but I like the Skywalker family's saber better myself. But then again, that's why I like Darth Vader's also. I like that. I just, there's something about that look that I really like. See, this saber to me, Luke's, it almost looks like a cross between uh, Vader's and Obi-Wan's. It's where he's got the, because it's almost got the yeah. the emitter of Obi-Wan's. Yeah. Well, that would make sense because you got to remember, he basically learned, I mean, they, I don't know how much they're calling that canon, but. He made it out of parts he found at Obi-Wan's hut. Yeah. Partially. I mean, for the internal parts and things like that. Right. Number one, Darth Maul in Phantom Menace. Oh, yeah. That one was cool. All I remember is that scene when they show, when he lifts up the lightsaber and then he activates the other blade. Yeah. All I remember is when I saw that, I was like, oh. Even seeing that in the trailer, it's like, no way. Yeah. That's what I mean. When I saw it in the trailer, I was like, oh, that's awesome. I'm like, oh, Lord, we're going to have a villain like Darth Vader. And then they killed him off so quick. I'm like, there could have been so much potential with this character throughout the trilogy. Yeah. Sure could have. So, well, how about this? Coming from the, the shelves of the Jedi Library or the Jedi Archives... Uh, books coming out next week. Asia Resistance, Supreme Leader Snoke. Dr. Aphra, number 36, Unspeakable Rebel Super Weapon, part five. Uh, Star Wars, number 72, Rogues and Rebels. Only three books left. I can't believe it. And, oh, those Ooh. are the, that's on the 18th. Also on the 18th will be Asia Resistance, Ray, number one. And they're forgetting an all important book on here. September 17th. Smuggler's Guide, Star Wars Smuggler's Guide, the non-deluxe version, just the hardback book comes out. Which is a very, very nice book. Yes, it is. And hey, did I, didn't I say we're giving one away in, in the contest? You may have mentioned it. I don't remember. Um, contest is on the Wookiee Radio page that I have tweeted out on Twitter. So... It's very cool. Oh, and with the book, the Halo book coming from um, from uh, Roco Depot, two Roco Depot bookmarks coming as well with that. Cool. So, and I asked him where he got his bookmarks made because I'm thinking we may be doing, we may have to do some uh, Wookie Radio bookmarks. Have fun with that. So, um, other than that, any final thoughts from you guys? Yes, I have one final thought. I have another. Star Wars trivia fact for you. Here's fact number 214 from Star Wars trivia. The Jedi Council granted Obi-Wan Kenobi the rank of Jedi Knight without the required training because of the fact that he was the first person to kill a Sith in 1,000 years. Wow. Impressive. Very impressive. Impressive indeed. Wait, do I have that drop? I bet you I do. Impressive. I bet you I don't. <laughs> unimpressive. Yeah, unimpressive. To indeed. I don't think I have it. No. I thought I had it. Oh well. I'll just leave you with this one then. <laughs> <laughs> 
Good work, Commander. <laughs> so, on that thought, Ken, any final thoughts? That's all. Uh, I think I'm all thought out at the moment. No, only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jets, I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2! (laughs) The last of the Jedi will you be?